to the Duke Basketball Corner Podcast. I am your host, Adam Comero, and today we're going to do something a little different. Today is going to be one topic, and it is going to be focused on Grayson Allen, somebody who I've never really gone into in terms of the stuff that many, many others um, in the general public love more than anything else involving him, the kind of extracurricular activities that have gone with it, on with him at Duke and now some of what has happened uh, in the NBA. So, I will first say that after this mini-app, uh, the plan, which can always change, but the plan is to do uh, another app uh, next week which kind of goes down the news, Summer League, any, any signings, just covering all, all that stuff. And then we hit a two-month dead period. So in terms of what's happening, actually basketball. I mean, usually it's going to be Duke uh, taking a trip like last year in Canada or uh, the, Olympic, the Olympics with basketball. There, I'm sure there's going to be a Duke player there. There's the FIBA um, world championships. No, this year, nothing. It's it's pretty much a two month dead period. So there's going to be some interesting um, kind of specialty episodes we'll do. Favorite Dukies, like I haven't updated that in five years. Yeah, I think it was about five years ago that I did my favorite Dukies. And there's going to be other interesting episodes that I'll do, but it won't be really based on news because there won't be any news unless. Uh, they sign another recruit somehow, or even so, yeah, so there won't be much. Um, but today, and if you hear any noise, I apologize, it's kind of, there's laundry going in the background, a man's got to do his laundry at some point, so if you hear clanging around, there's no there's no dead body, uh, there's, it's just a uh, clothes getting washed. Alright, so Grayson Allen... And I want to preface this by saying that this is kind of this is one of those free form thoughts episodes. I have uh, I have Grayson's timeline of I guess you could call it extracurricular events. I have that listed out. Everything else though, it's off the top of the dome. So this is just kind of my thoughts in the moment. I don't really pay attention much to summer league. I think I watched the first. Uh, or I know I watched the first Zion RJ matchup, and then really checked out. I mean, it's kind of like the, the NFL preseason where you're watching guys play against guys that, that a lot of them they're not going to be playing against in the regular season. And yeah, you could say they should get, uh, you know, that's something that I'll talk about in the next episode with Summer League. But bottom line is I just all of a sudden I see it on social media where Grayson, he got two flagrant fouls in Summer League and was ejected. And I'm thinking, who gets flagrant fouls in Summer League? And I don't know anywhere. I, I, I tried to find it. Like, I, don't, I can't remember any, seeing anywhere where a player got a flagrant foul in the Summer League. It's just something like, you don't see that happen. So that's very interesting. And as usual, you got the two sides... And I'm not saying this is everyone. One thing that if, you, if you're listening to this with expectations of confirmation bias, of groupthink, all that stuff, hopefully by now you know this is not the place for that. And 
so I'm going to be kind of speaking against both sides. I'm just going to be giving what I see has happened, and I'm going to be trying to add as much nuance and context. So there's the typical two sides where one, I mean, it's, it's basically grace and apologists who are just finding every possible reason why either he did nothing wrong or trying to kind of limit his involvement, try limit his uh, blame in there, trying to be like, oh, the other player did this too, just kind of going over every aspect to trying to see how it, it wasn't totally his fault and it's just anyone who thinks otherwise, it's just Duke haters. Oh, the word haters, gotta love that. Um, then there's the other side, though, who they, they, they embrace this. They know that Duke, a lot of Duke fans, they will search out negativity and... It's, it's very easy to find whenever Grayson's involved in something like this. So they will pile on. And then there's just going to be those in the media or those who are Duke fans, non-Duke fans, just anyone on social media who they just want to kind of pile on to any hot topic. And Grayson is. He is. So let, let's go over in terms of Grayson's career. And see kind of how we got here. And trying to see how this isn't just kind of an outlier event for him. And try to see how we can really feel rationally about this. Because there's too much, I feel, emotion that it's either you swing one way or you swing the other. And I just don't see enough rational discussion on this. So, basically, Grayson... He got to Duke, and they, with the Final Four, or the final, the championship game against Wisconsin, there was this whole feeling of he came out of nowhere. And you go back, you look at the recruiting rankings. I don't. I think recruiting rankings, I think they're way overstated, especially because the competition level, it's just so different among different groups and areas and just AAU, you, you never, but either way. It's actually fascinating because uh, 24-7, I think the website most people go by, they were lower on all the Duke players than the average. The site I use is rscihoops.com, which basically it's just a um, it's an aggregate, and it takes the average of uh, one, two, three, four, five, six sites. And one of them is 24. There's ESPN, Scout, Rivals, Prep Stars, and uh, Van Coleman. Actually, I haven't even heard of that. With Tyus, he was 7, 24-7, ranked him 8. With, with Jaleel Okafor, he was number 1, 24-7, actually ranked him 6. Uh, let's see here, Winslow, he was 13, 24-7, ranked him 15. And then Graysdale was 24, ranked 24, in, and 24-7 uh, Sports ranked him number 39. So it's interesting, and none of the others, the lowest in any other was 28. Uh, VC uh, Van Coleman was 24, ESPN 21, Scout 22, Rivals 28, Prep Stars 25, and again 24/7 Sports 39. But either way, he showed he showed what he could do with playing time. His defense was pretty horrific, so he wasn't able to continue getting minutes versus legit competition. And there were we found out after the season was over how he, it was really tough for him. And there was some tears shed with uh, assistant coach John Shire. He, he really found it difficult, especially, I mean, Kay has that short rotation. 
So no matter how good he was playing, he really wasn't seeing much action besides in, uh, in blowouts. But still, he would get minutes sometimes. And when he got minutes, he would contribute. And you're not going to get 15, 20 minutes from Coach K no matter what unless he believes you have a future. Because he's going to give that to his starters to try to uh, just get them used to it, especially when they had three other freshmen who needed time to gel. But Grayson, he, he got minutes, especially once ACC came around. Then he was, he was getting some legit playing time. And you could see it coming. with, with it, it, From the get-go, Duke fans, they really, really wanted him to succeed. And it was interesting because it's saying, like, oh, he has to get playing time. But in order for him to get playing time, I think that's the thing. Somebody else has to get less playing time. But once, uh, let's see, he got 16 minutes versus Notre Dame. Then a couple games later, 18 versus Clemson. But by, by the time, he got 24 versus Wake Forest. And that was the, se- uh, the second to last regular season game. You're not going to get 24 minutes. As I said, unless you have legit talent, he he balled. He had 27 points. Yes, it was a blowout. But I mean, a couple games before that, Clemson, 18 minutes. Played played well then. And then NC State in the conference tournament, 21 minutes. So it's not like he came out of nowhere. You're not getting those minutes for K unless you are expected to be able to contribute in legit minutes at any time. So Michigan State in the Final Four, 17 minutes. That was a blowout, but Wisconsin, 21 minutes. Everyone knows how that turned out. Huge minutes and huge production. Possibly the difference in the national championship game. I actually predicted it. I was I was saying Gonzaga in the lead eight. I thought that was going to be an up-and-down game, uh, and I was dead wrong. And I thought Grayson would be great. I, thought, I predicted that would be his breakout game. And... Uh, it happened, I guess not Michigan State, but it happened Wisconsin two games later. So, in terms of, he, he basically just, he did come out of nowhere to some, but he had the talent, he showed it when he got the minutes, and he proved that he was going to be a guy to watch. And it's interesting, because I don't really deal with, um, I mean, I'm used to, people will say what they want about Duke and and. Some Duke fans call them haters. Whatever. I, I I don't I don't use the word hater because I just think it's stupid. Like I don't understand how somebody can just hate anything and like for unless for like a really legit reason. I, I just hate haters gonna hate. I, I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I mean I get it. I get why people say it and uh, say others say it, but it, it just it doesn't make sense to me in in how in like I don't know in a rational way, but. Mark Titus, after the season, he was writing for um, Grantland at, at the time, I believe, and he wrote an article saying Grayson was, was, he was the next hated white guy at Duke. And I, I never respond to stuff like that. I took offense because it's just it's putting a, a target on his back. And, yes, he can handle it. And I, I said that. I actually saved it because it's one of the few, like, Twitter things. Like, I have saved because... I I just couldn't I didn't understand I mean yeah clicks whatever but I mean he seemed like a good kid he had a, he had a big time and all of a sudden you're making him 
into the guy everyone hates. He is the next J.J. Uh, Reddick, um, supposedly just because he's the white guy. And I, I didn't like that. I, I didn't think he deserved that, even if it was technically, quote-unquote, just for fun. Because some people, they're kind of, they're born, they're bred for that. Not bred, they're, like, it just comes naturally in order to embrace that Grayson. I wasn't quite sure. Um, so he came into the next season, and all of a sudden, all eyes are on him. So it was interesting, and, and right away, like, Christian Leitner and J.J. Redick, like, they seem to embrace the villain role, and in no way am I saying they're villains, but they knew people <laughs> did not like them, and they just, they're like, you know what, we're not going to change anyone's mind, so we're just going to, like, kind of live it up. And J.J. Redick talks about how he regrets some of how he acted, some of the ways he acted at Duke, um, little, uh full of himself at times. Christian Leitner <laughs> doesn't seem to regret anything. But Grayson, he, he never seemed to be comfortable with it. And Grayson, he relied... I, w I think people were so used to seeing him as as the uh, the primary ball handler and kind of the, the initiator, kind of that R.J. Barrett role as this past year that they didn't realize just how lethal he was off the ball and just how athletic he was. He's still extremely athletic. But his freshman and sophomore years, if you look back and some of those highlights, it's crazy. I mean, there's a reason I compared his style on offense to Dwayne Wade with a much better jumper. Not in terms of that ability, but the style in terms of, yeah, he could knock down jumpers, but, I mean, he loved to just barrel into guys, just go into contact. It's almost like, uh, I remember Dwayne Wade used to talk about how in Chicago, like, you lost, you lost respect for someone if they settled for a jumper. Like, you take it to, you take it to the hoop. That's how, J that's how Grayson was. I mean, I think he had, like, one three against Wisconsin, but most of it, it was just going to the hoop. And... So, he, he was just super, super aggressive. And, like, as soon as the 2016 season started, he, he was fantastic. He was very efficient. And then, but you could see kind of Kentucky, the way they played him in that Champions Classic, where they overplayed his right hand, forced him left, and he just, he had nothing. And while Derek Thornton, he started out the season great, I... I can't remember exactly. I, I think he might have been the MVP of the uh, 2K Classic where they beat, um, they beat VCU and, I believe, Georgetown in the final. And he, he was playing great. Then Coach K took the ball out of his hands and gave it to Grayson, and it was just a lot of pressure on Grayson. And uh, I think he handled it I, He handled it pretty well, but there it, it took away some of his aggressiveness and forced him to really be a playmaker for others, which wasn't totally natural, but I think he played really well. I mean, that 2016 season was tremendous until it kind of got uh, derailed. So, I mean, you had the, the Louisville trip, Ray Spalding, on February 8th. I mean, that was pretty late in the season. Once you get around to February, I mean, most of the season's gone by. You're thinking about the postseason at that point. And then uh, February 26th, against uh, Florida State with uh, Xavier Rathon Mays. 
And the first one, it's like, okay, fine, I guess, benefit of the doubt, stuff happens. I mean, you never, there's not cameras on everything. This type of stuff can happen. Second time, sketchy, you still want to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's getting tough, though. And both were just, like, weird, where they just came out of nowhere. And it's just like, I don't know, this doesn't make sense. And that's when it immediately started with the, oh, Grayson, he's such like a model person off the court, and it doesn't seem to like go with his behavior on the court, but uh, hey, you know what? Maybe his legs just got tangled. Who knows? I mean, despite what the, <laughs> what the replays showed. But either way, it was, it was weird, and it just, you can't have that on the court. But, but right away... He, he was defended. And it's very interesting because looking back on it, I mean, Coach, Coach Kidd, like, this doesn't happen. There's, there's kind of shady plays that happen, but, like, I don't know. It, like, those were so blatant that it just it didn't make sense unless someone just kind of almost, like, blacked out. So then you have the... Uh, so then you got the next season, and in 2016, it's just he was kind of expected to take more of a leadership role, especially after Emil Jefferson, he was injured and unfortunately had to sit out the season. And I don't know if Grayson was ready for that. I mean, this is a guy who literally became a star in the national championship game, but wasn't used to the ups and downs. I mean, he played in blowout wins. So now all of a sudden, he has to get used to losing. And he's an emotional player, so I know he was working with Coach K on how to use that emotion in a positive way. But uh, then the uh, the next season starts, and there's the Elon trip with uh, Steven Santa Ana. And then the outburst on the bench coming after that. So the captaincy, I mean, to be a captain in your, in your junior year, that's, that's an honor. And the captaincy was taken away, one-game suspension. The question many had is, should, should Coach K have done more? And it wasn't, it was, it was uh, an undefined amount of time when, uh, for when Coach K announced the suspension. They lost to Virginia Tech on New Year's Eve. And he was back. <laughs> he was back the next game. So I don't know if it had always been planned for one game or what. Should it have been more? I don't know. But, I mean, it just starts the whole pattern of when he was in there, Coach K, I mean, he, he, Grayson was the guy. Grayson was the guy. And there was never anything really holding him accountable when he was in the game. Wasn't like he took lesser of a role. I, I, I mean, I might be forgetting this. He might have come off the bench, but, I mean, he, with the ball was in his hands. He, he was always kind of in control. Or, or he was given the ball to be in control of the offense. So I don't know if more should have been done then. But when you have three situations, three trips, you're going to have opponents trying to goad you into stuff. And you have to understand that. So when you have something happen, like, I mean, this wasn't even goading, like Boston College coming back. Like, that might have been like either the next game or two games later, it was uh, January 7th, 2017. Um, 
and he lifts his back leg up. Looks like he was trying to kick uh, Connor Tarva on uh, Boston College. Looks like he was trying to kick him in the nuts. Then uh, three days later, January 10th, Florida State, while diving out of bounds, there was a fist thing which uh, made contact with an FSU assistant coach who defended Grayson, said there was no ill intent. It was clean. On the 23rd of January, NC State, he kind of walked right into Terry Henderson and also Abdul Malik Abu in front of the state bench headed into the break. And yeah, you could see the state players, they wanted him to do that. They were trying to get in his way. If you're Grayson, just get just take a different path. I mean, there's ways to avoid something that could even begin anything. Wake Forest, again, this is all January, one month. Uh, Wake Forest, he grabbed Bryant Crawford during a loose ball, then overreacted when he was in front of the Wake bench when someone, I, I think, ta- uh, touched him. And then the most gratuitous, by far, January 30th. So this is the one, two, three, four, five, fifth situation in January of 2017 where he just straight foot stomped Temple Gibbs against Notre Dame. By far the most blatant and gratuitous. There is absolutely no explanation for why he would do that. I mean, it's just nuts. So, I mean, you have these five things happen, and he was still getting defended. So, I don't know. It's just like you got to hold the guy accountable in some way. It's not, I mean, yeah, you can try to break down every play and see how it wasn't all his fault. There's always going to be context. There's always going to be nuance. But he, he was in there. He was still the guy. He was still the guy for Duke. And then you have Frank Jackson, who was doing just fine. I mean, he wasn't a natural point guard coming into Duke, more of a combo guard. But when he got minutes point, he did a, he did a pretty damn good job. And Duke's offense was never a problem. But uh, Coach K, he, he pretty much took it out of Frank's hands and had Grayson as the initiator again. There were even times that season Matt Jones ran point. It was just odd, but Grayson, it got it got back to him. He was pretty much, the ball was in his hands, so it was like he was in charge again for the second straight season, despite his natural role being off ball, despite him being able to run occasionally to be able to initiate the offense this is Coach K was almost rewarding him for this. I, I I'm and I, it's just, it still doesn't make sense to me. Three straight years after his freshman year, where Grayson was initiating the offense, especially with better options available. And I don't know. I don't know if there should have been something else that gone that happened. So before we get into his senior year, let's talk about how the uh, the common view is what he does how he is off the court doesn't match how he is on the court all right so duke think about the way duke gives access or if you don't know i will i will say and how they frame everything duke media through no fault of their own it's just what it is they get extremely limited access extremely limited access i mean they basically get to talk to the players post game and officially scheduled events, but they, they, they're not around these guys at any other time. Like, it's very, very carefully done at, at Duke, where they're, you're going to know what you're supposed to know about these players. So what kind of stories do you think are going to be reported about them? Do you think it's going to give the whole context of their personality and everything about them? No. 
you're gonna you're going to read the feel good stories, and does that mean the feel good stories are incorrect? Absolutely not. But it doesn't paint the complete picture, so that doesn't mean what isn't shown is bad. But it's just important to point out you don't get the whole picture. It's just I find it mind blowing how quickly. Those who call themselves fans will turn on players who don't completely abide by the good little soldier mentality, like a Trevon Devel. Trevon Devel, I mean, I, I've, I've heard many things about how he is off the court. Great guy. But he retweeted a dunk after a UNC loss, so fans turned on him and never forgave him. Many. Again, I don't like to speak in extremes or generalities. I'm just saying, especially with the vocal people on social media, and again, social media doesn't cover it everything. This is just my point of view. Keep that in mind when listening to this. I'm not telling anyone else how to feel. I'm just trying to get as nuanced as possible and try to explain what I see, what I've heard, and obviously what is what I consider appropriate to put out there publicly on a podcast. Have I heard other stuff? Yeah. I wasn't there though, and it's it's not my place. So Grayson, he it was always framed as he was doing good deeds all the time, from visiting kids in hospitals to uh, when he grew up. Take, I think one of his best friends, um, he was struggling um, in terms of financially. I, I'm I'm I don't mean to disrespect. Any part of that story, I can't remember the whole thing, but he grew up with an, it was kind of, it was a kid which Grayson basically considered his brother, his little brother who who his family took in and basically became part of Grayson's family in a way, and it's just like there's constantly good things, and again, I'm not saying those aren't true. What I compare it to is when you watch an edited mixtape on YouTube, that's how many people judge recruits, and it is mind blowing. When you watch the edited mixtape, what are you watching? You're seeing only the good, not the complete picture. So let me repeat again. Does that mean what isn't shown is bad? No. It's just important to realize what you're watching. It's important to be self-aware enough to know that you're seeing what they want you to see. Then when you get to the NBA, how much is really reported of what of a player's personality off the court? In terms of... Grayson, his role isn't big enough for even if there was an issue, they're gonna they're gonna report on the bigger names. It doesn't it doesn't mean he's making a stir in the locker room. It doesn't mean he's not making a stir in the locker room. But even so, like how many times do you actually read about someone who was a personality problem off the court? Not many. And you, and usually when you do, it's only like the really the stars. So. I mean, a guy like Chris Paul, who's who does all kinds of great things in the community and is just generally, supposedly a really good dude from everything, he's crazy competitive with everything. And I know that can rub some the wrong way. So Chris Paul and teammates, there, there tends to be issues there, but that's more just, he's a, I mean, he's a star. So while it's unfair, Chris Paul, I mean... He's been involved with some shady, shady activities, but says people can look past that for stars sometimes. It doesn't mean it's not happening. And trust me, people know what type of player Chris Paul can be. 
People know. That's Julius Randle back in college. He knows. I mean, basically, there's two types of situations where you can kind of teams manage to look past or deal with as long as they're winning. One, if a player is a star, and two, if if they're in that kind of enforcer role. Not, not, not an enforcer into like hockey where they're trying to start fights at the time, but just like they're going to try to get underneath the opponent's skin, like a Draymond Green, that type. I mean, even <laughs> Lance Stevenson, when he had value at some point, he was just trying to blow in LeBron's ear, do whatever. And uh, yeah, I mean, they embraced it. That's the thing. They embraced that. They didn't hide from it. In the past tense, they don't. I mean, even a guy like Marcus Morris, who uh, there's rumors right now. I can't speak. I don't know if they're true or not, but he actually fired his agent, Chris uh, Rich Paul. That's not a rumor. There's uh, the rumor is the Clippers offered him a contract, which I guess he wasn't told about because Rich Paul represents LeBron, and maybe LeBron, maybe they. Marcus Morris calls himself the LeBron stopper. If he's on the Clippers, I mean, there's already Kawhi. There's already there's already Paul George. I mean, LeBron doesn't want to deal with that. So, yeah, those guys have value. They they they'll they don't they don't mind getting a little dirty. And Grayson, he's always been someone who he'll do something. Like one of one of these things, uh, one of these situations, and then all of a sudden it looks like he snaps back to reality, and that's kind of scarier because like it's almost like he doesn't realize what he did. There was the interview with Jeff Goodman going into uh, his senior year where he talked about the Elon incident, and said like he he's never even watched. He doesn't think about it. He knows what happened, so he just knew he knew that it was going to be negative a negative media storm, and I don't know. It's just for me. It's like, I think you should really look into that more, into what caused it. I mean, the fe- the after effects, like, that's going to happen if you do it. So let's try to look into what caused it. And again, this is, if you think I'm jumping to compl- conclusions right there, let me add, I don't know if he didn't. I don't know. But once you get to a certain level where it's not like, where it's not Duke, where Coach K is going to have your back in every single situation, then it's going to be what value do you hold for a pro team? Because Coach K, I think there was possibly a lot that got Grayson drafted in the first round. Grayson has talent, but I think he has to basically learn to accept a role, a specific role, and uh, I don't think he was first round worthy, even near that. I had him ranked way below. If he can uh, really improve his ability to spot up shoot and uh, pick his spots to drive and uh, really improve his defense, yeah, he can absolutely get in that role. But it's about risk-reward. Is he worth the, the, the stuff that comes along with him in the package? He's not an enforcer, not even close. So these shady players are just annoying for any teammate to deal with, needing to have his back. That's, that's not someone who can just say, oh, he plays with an edge. That's cheap. What he's doing is cheap. And yes, there will be opponents who will try to get him into the into the mindset where he's going to break and do more of that stuff. So it's just about whether or not his teammates feel like trusting him enough. 
to always have his back, whether the team feels like he's worth it. He was always that initiator. There was never a benching or a change in role like what happened to Quinn Cook at Duke. So is he a star? Is he a starter? Is he a solid rotation player? Or is he a fringe roster guy for Memphis now after Utah? Is he a tradable asset? He, he certainly was uh, from Utah to Memphis, but does he have any value right now for other teams who maybe want to acquire him from Memphis? I mean, he didn't play well his, his rookie year at all. Does that mean he won't uh, improve? Absolutely not. Like, I, I always believe he can improve, especially who wants it that much, who works that hard. I mean, the opportunity is there right now at shooting guard for the Grizzlies. If you look at their roster, the opportunity is there right now. But even after, I mean, entering that senior year, there was still stuff. I mean, at that point, he'd gotten the captaincy back. I think it's so rare now to see a guy who's been so productive, especially in the backcourt, stay for four years. I think many Duke fans, like, they really, really appreciated him staying four years as well as they, as well as they should. And... I think he was, at that point, just like Duke fans would have, many Duke fans would have his back no matter what. I think especially as a four-year guy. And, I mean, that second game, I believe it was second, but the Champions Classic versus Michigan State where he hit a ton of threes. I thought he was going to be playing off ball. thought Kay would keep the ball in Trevon DeVal's hands the way Duke would have ran the best all season. But, nope, again, Back in Grayson's hands, Grayson was the initiator again, and it's just rinse, repeat. There was two incidents in the UVA game where it's just like, I mean, he stuck his leg out trying to trip Kyle Guy. And again, I'm not saying trying to trip, like that was his entire intention, but you just, I mean, it was so blatant. All this stuff is available on YouTube. You can go back and check it. This isn't something where you can say, oh, he didn't mean to oh like I mean if you're that determined it's possible but like you don't see that with other players except on occasion this isn't stuff that oh it happens all the time some of it is like NC State when he uh, kind of walked into some guys in front of the bench I mean that yeah I mean there's there's always guys doing stuff and yeah but uh, I mean then the same game a cow guy he tried to help Grayson up after after a hard foul. Grace just knocked his hand out of the way, and it's just you got to, like, like, I'm not saying you have to be an angel, but just understand, be self-aware enough to be able to be in the moment, and understand, just don't do it, make your life easier. So it's the fact that he's not able to kind of release himself from that, whatever's going on in his head, that's worrisome. Um, I mean, Virginia Tech extends his foot, then jumped on the ball handler on a dog pile. And, yeah, you could say that there was other stuff that went that went on. There was another incident with Virginia Tech later in the game where you could say they tried to get revenge. Oh, see, it's their fault, too. I mean, there's always something you can do. But you you have to kind of get past... You kind of have to just be the bigger, the bigger man at some point and just not get involved in anything like that. I mean, the UNC incident backing into Garrison Brooks, who was headed down court... In transition, <laughs> it almost like in effect, he like twerked into him. A more PC term would be a hip check. I mean, Trey Young, I think it was in the preseason in last year, his rookie year. There, there was a situation then. Grant Williams, the most recent event in uh, summer league. Like I said, I mean, 
flagrant fouls in Summer League. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just get away from all that. Get away from it. I am not saying he's 100% guilty in every situation. But at a certain point in time, man, it's just not worth it. It is not worth it. You just lose the benefit of the doubt. And, I mean, there's certain guys, like the Virginia Tech situation. It's fascinating because, like, he was ironically defended by Dan Dockage on that broadcast. And Dan Dockage was the same person, I think, saying, like, from what I have what I heard, I don't want to comment too much because I didn't actually watch that game with the Grant Williams play in Summer League. And Dan Dockage was all over him. I'm not saying Dan Dockage is the... Is, is the person to base all this on. I think he is the opposite of that. But you can see how it is possible to see different situations in different ways. But if you just look at it as rationally as you can, if you want Grayson to succeed, I don't know, man. You have to look at it and say, like, he, he just can't do this. Bottom line. You have to stop thinking about how if you if you look at it rationally, that's that's almost making you weaker and... It's allowing the Duke haters to win or something. Grayson needs to stop it. J.J. Redick, as I said, he was among the most hated, probably the most hated player I've ever seen in college basketball, I've ever heard about. Christian Leitner, you could say, J.J. Redick basically bore the bore the brunt of what Christian Leitner did. And I think even Leitner will admit that. Um, J.J. Redick now, he is known as, he like everyone loves him. It's one of the most liked players. You can change your reputation. Everyone can. So, uh, what, is there two options? He's got to embrace the villain role or become better? It could be. But he's got to figure out why he loses his cool like this and is unable to regain, to kind of focus in enough to just get away from the situation. Because the NBA, it's not like Duke. At Duke, he was protected. And I'm not saying that protection was all bad. I think it's it's great to root for a player. It's great to back a player up. But it's also, just look at them in terms of rational. Yeah, I think some will enjoy anything negative that happens to Grayson. Some will back up everything that is involved with Grayson. There's going to be extremes on both sides. And... With this day and age, you're not going to get many people who just kind of go through and talk about what's just what's occurring without bias. Like, this is the stuff that's occurred. So if you're reading it from one of, the, one of these blogs where a guy, he's literally like laughing at anyone who clicks and think, thinks otherwise, saying like, oh, you're just a Duke hater. Like, these people, like literally, they don't care about facts or anything like that. It is just complete groupthink trying to get clicks, and I, I I hate that mentality. But that's what people get off on. I've seen people literally search Twitter in the off season trying to find anything negative they can they can uh, find, whether it's on R.J. Barrett, whether it's on Zion. And I don't get it. Like people really love the negativity, and with Grayson, I think it's. It's everywhere because of stuff that some of it he's earned, some maybe a little over the top, but there's there's a problem. There's a problem that he's going to not be able to find himself in the league anymore if he keeps getting involved in stuff like this. And when I keep saying get involved, 
I mean, unfortunately, he's initiating a lot of it. It's not like get away from it. This is what other people was what your opponents are trying to goad you in. No, he's starting it. And again, it goes both. It, there's other situations, like context. But the bottom line is he's initiating most of this. He's causing the issue. And there is no way I can think that his opponents will not try to keep on getting him involved. Because in a way, that's testing his teammates. It's testing his teammates to see how far they're, they're willing to go to keep having his back. I also forgot to mention uh, there was a play last season with, um, I believe, Al Farouk Aminu, where Aminu was, uh, he was, he was on the break and transitioning. Grayson kind of gave him a four-on shiver with both arms. And, man, that was ugly. That was ugly. Can't do it. These, these are things you just, you, you got, you, you can't just move on and say, like, oh, I know what happened. Like, he needs to really kind of, you know, I, I can't say he needs to do one thing or another. I don't know what he's done. Maybe he has done a lot that I am unaware of. I mean, that's the thing. We only know so much about these players. So if you defend them, Without any sort of ration, if it's all based on what you want, if it's all based on that confirmation bias, this Grayson thing is just everyone's against him. We have to be for him. It's us versus them. It's what every single conversation in society seems to turn into now. But if you really care about him succeeding just as a player and a person, I think it's time to say stop the shit. Like this can't happen. Either go full-on embrace it, embrace that enforcer role, which I don't think is his personality, or find a way to fix it, whether it is something mentally where he can see someone about, and I'm not saying there's something wrong with him. Everyone is different. Everyone is wired differently. The key is finding out why this happens and finding a way to fix the problem or make it better without losing who you are as a person or as a basketball player. So yeah, I can empathize with Grayson while at the same time not sympathize. Yeah, for him it must suck. I know he wants to do well. But man, you can't, you can't forgive this stuff over and over and over without being a hypocrite. So yeah, I, I hope this is the only time I've never really commented on this before. I've just commented on basketball. That's what I like to do. I like to just, I'm pro player. I'm always pro player. And many like to think they are until the player is uh, not as good as you might have hoped. And then they're anti-player. Like, I don't know. That's why I don't pay attention to recruiting rankings. Because everyone who comes to Duke, I view the same way. And I want them to succeed the same way. And I don't view them with any expectations. I can see their talent. I can see I can kind of project after they start playing a couple games, but it's like someone uh, like a Josh Harrison. I mean, right away you could see when he played a game at Duke, he was ranked like somewhere around like fifteen to twenty in recruiting rankings. You could see like that wasn't his ability. He was really misranked, but because that's all anybody said, people called him a bust. It's like he was great against his competition in high school. So like I don't know, watch watch him and then make a judgment there. But, like, don't hate them as, like, a person. It's weird. Like, Javin, he's, he's balling out, and I think he's playing his role well. So, that, that's, I think that's, uh, that's all I have to say now. I mean, if you 
if you think like some of what Grayson is doing is because the NBA is quote unquote soft now, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I think everyone loves to go back to that trope, and it's just stupid. Like, NBA is really physical. They've changed some of the rules, and some of it for good, some of it maybe not for good. But, there's, but like, yeah, there was some weird stuff back in the day. I mean, I remember, like, Danny Ainge just, like, firing the ball at a guy's head. I remember, I mean, there was obviously, like, the Kurt Rambis, like, I think, well, what, did he do it to Jordan where he kind of just, like, pulled him down or something? I don't know. But, there, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. You can you can pick and choose whatever you want to try to support your point if, if that's all you want to do is be right. I'm not right or wrong about anything I said in this podcast. I'm just trying to paint a bigger picture of, Gray, a bigger picture of Grayson. And when, I, keep, and when I, I feel like I've used the word need a lot, he needs to do something. He doesn't need to do anything. I am, I think me using the word was incorrect there. And I will say I hope he can do a lot of this stuff. Because I want, for him, for anyone, I don't care if he plays for Duke, for Kentucky, for North Carolina, I don't care. I don't, like, none of that stuff matters. I'm looking at Grayson as a person, a basketball player, and say, like, the shit's got to stop. And I hope he succeeds. And... I've always viewed him as a person, as a basketball player, and as a guy who I think is complicated, as many of us are. So as much as this is kind of like a psychological or <laughs> weird kind of evaluation, I think that's something we uh, we only view sometimes, not when it happens to to players we root for. Those are the only players we see as human beings where opponents are just kind of robots. I think, it, I think it'll help some. If you try to see everyone just as a human being, and then you can say, like, I mean, these guys, they have, they have issues. They, they have great qualities. They have negative qualities. It's just every, everyone is a human being. So hopefully this is, hopefully Grayson and Grant Williams, hopefully that's the last incident. That's the last extracurricular event that'll occur in his career, ever. We'll see what happens if uh, the next time teammates, or I'm sorry, opponents try to goad him into something. Hopefully, he can improve. You, you can change, you can improve. I think he can find a role on the team, but he's going to be held accountable, I feel like. He's going to be held accountable do I think he's a bad person? Hell no. I don't think he comes in with the mentality of trying to hurt other players. But you also gotta kinda take a step back, realize there's a lot of money at stake and there's health at stake. I don't think guys want to worry about Grace about their health being at risk around Grayson. You can you can think what you want about, oh, it's just a trip or just whatever. You see how fleeting a pro career can be. And how, hey, you never know with, uh, with Kevin Durant, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, all these guys, I mean, the Achilles, stuff happens. Grayson cannot be a part of the worry. Just consider, would you tell your, if you had a child, would you, or, or if, if you do have a child right now, what would you tell your child if your child was doing this stuff? To just 
keep doing it because everyone else is just a hater? Come on. You have to look at the full picture, even like Jim, Jim Valvano. After his title win, his actual coaching career after that and some of the stuff involved, people don't talk about that. And I'm not saying everyone should all the time, but it's part of his story. He didn't go straight from a title to a heartbreaking yet emotionally powerful speech at the ESPYs while battling cancer. And I know that could make me the villain for even mentioning anything like that, but it's true. The full picture is what this is all about for Grayson and everyone. So I will leave it at that. So I will be back with uh, kind of news and notes for uh, the Summer League again, uh, the signings, the just all, whatever, all the remaining Duke news, and then there will be some interesting, as I said at the top of the pod, there will be some interesting um, specialized episodes uh, that I might do. Uh, it's been 20 years, or I'm sorry, a decade. 2010 to 2019, there's going to be some all-decade stuff. It's going to be fun. And before you know it, the two dead months will go by, and the season will be about to start. And then that's when that's when it's on like Donkey Kong. So, for the Duke Basketball Corner podcast, uh, subscribe on iTunes, rate, review. That'll help others find it. I appreciate you listening. Hopefully I added a little nuance, a little context, more to the conversation than what typically goes on. I am not even close to claiming to be right. I'm not claiming to feel in any way like it is my right to judge Grayson at all. I, I, I am not trying to judge Grayson, Allen, in any way. I, I am rooting 100% for Grayson Allen. But something's got to change. For the Duke Basketball Corner Podcast, I am Adam Pomerup, and I will be talking to everyone soon.